Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you. can't thank you enough, dear Lord, for, well, everything you've given us is free. It hasn't required effort on our part, quite frankly, leaves us quite humble. And now you've given us this wonderful, this wonderful book and the faithful dedication of your servant, Brian Borgman, to put it together and the Holy Spirit guiding him. We pray that the truth comes out of this book, out of our minds, through my lips today, as always, as we discuss Another ungodly motion, dear Lord, that you will give us grace and help to conform your will and to straighten our thinking when it comes to these emotions. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 12, Depression. Let's open with a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? You must take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself. You have to preach to yourself. Question yourself. Then you must go on to remind yourself of God, who God is, what God is, and what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. Only a worthless physician doubts the pain, darkness, helplessness, and hopelessness of those who suffer from depression. It is a dangerous physician who throws a few Bible verses at those who are depressed and tells them to just have more faith. Depression is complex. The medical and physiological issues are complex. The emotional and spiritual issues are complex. So we will focus on some basics and provide some biblical principles to deal with some facets of depression. How is depression described in the Bible? Several locations, actually. But the one that gathers a lot of attention is a point in the book of Deuteronomy where God prescribes a curse for covenant unfaithfulness. What does he say about covenant unfaithfulness? Deuteronomy 28. Among these nations you shall find no respite, or respite, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening. 
And at evening you shall say, if only it were morning, because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the sights that your eyes shall see. That description describes what we would call depression. Anyone who has felt depression can identify with some of it, if not most of that description. The Psalms cover a whole spectrum of human experience. Now, the Lament Psalms particularly deal with what we could call legitimately depression. Psalm 42 and 43, the psalmist uses a mournful refrain which he repeats three times. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. See, downcast or in despair are depression-oriented words and indicate inner turmoil. Later, the psalmist says, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Psalm 77. See, the psalmist appears to be struggling with a stubborn darkness, as Borgman would term it. This is the language of depression. The darkness begins to taunt the depressed soul with horrible lies about God. Well, the Proverbs also describe depression. Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones, Proverbs 17. And in Proverbs 18, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? Dashed hopes, a sick heart, a crushed spirit, dried up bones, all relate to depressed, depressed state. We also encounter some biblical figures who experience depression. Read through the book of Job and listen to Job. He is sarcastic. He is full of self-pity. There is a flame of faith in Job, but for the most part, it burns low. Consider Elijah, who went quickly from the spiritual heights of Mount Carmel to the depths under the juniper tree. He was so depressed he wanted to die, and that's in 1 Kings 19, if you care to look it up. We were just talking about that the other day. Jonah, according to Borg, men, <laughs> Borg, too much Star Trek. <laughs> Jonah was in the same boat, no pun intended. He really wanted to see Ninevites receive the wrath of God's judgment for all the horrible things they had done to his people. Instead, God used his preaching to bring about their repentance, and as a result, he wanted to die. Kill me now. Even the Apostle Paul, as we examined earlier, came to a point in his life where he was over his head emotionally and physically. He despaired of life and saw death as his only prospect. In 2 Corinthians 1. He saw death as his only prospect, but I could argue that he wasn't dwelt on killing himself. We were talking about that, the whole Maranatha. Please, Lord, come. The only way out is death. To be with you. All right. So 
the signs of depression. Depression is marked by feelings of despair and hopelessness. There can be also emotional pain, like a gnawing pain that is felt virtually everywhere. I'll pause here for a second just to let you know that I'm letting Borgman mostly speak for himself in this outline because he has not only biblical counseling certifications and has been a pastor for a number of years, he's also counseled and had church members that he's dealt with in these circumstances and understands depression, at least knows how to identify the signs. I, on the other hand, have not had the experience personally I have many friends and relatives who have suffered depression, but I'll let Borgman do the majority of the discussion here. Emotional numbness may be another symptom. Numbness is a sense of indifference, not caring about anyone or anything. Depression may also leave a person with no energy and no normal desires like sexual intimacy or even eating Depression may cause insomnia. He says excessive sleep. Now, there's two opposites, huh? I guess when you do go to sleep, you sleep for a long time. Weight loss, fatigue. Depression may cause the sufferer to have a difficult time concentrating or keeping his thoughts in order. Oftentimes, depression can bring about restlessness. Thoughts of death are also common. Suicidal thoughts and even planning the deed can occupy the depressed person. There can also be feelings of guilt, anxiety, anger, and fear for no apparent reason. Depression should not be taken lightly. It does not look the same in every person. It is a terrible mistake not to take it seriously. It is also a mistake to believe you know what the depressed person means when they say they are depressed. Those who have never been depressed frequently do not understand the darkness of depression, so they get frustrated with those experiencing it. They wonder why they just can't pull themselves out of it. Depression is not a matter of take two verses, pray, and call me in the morning, right? When we get deeper, what are the sources of depression? The Bible makes a distinction between the body and the soul. Remember that. It's important. The Bible makes a distinction between the body and the soul. You'll see why we mention that here. Psalm, I'm sorry, Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And in Psalm 38, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin, body and soul, separate but interdependent. first red star I have in my outline here says physical problems can lead to depression and spiritual problems. Spiritual problems can lead to depression and physical problems. Once again, if you have physical problems, it can lead to depression and then cause spiritual problems. 
If you have spiritual problems which lead to depression, you can also become physically infirm. Some physical sources of depression might include prolonged illness, childbirth, surgery, hormonal changes, changes in diet, and fatigue. The argument that altering one's hormones and disagreeing with the gender the Lord gave you at birth is supposed to mitigate future depressive instances is so counterintuitive to what we're learning today. Whatever happened to chemical balance? I'm, I'm chemically imbalanced. Well, there's no proof of that either, but still. Puberty blockers, hormones, surgeries, and they say that if you don't allow this to happen in a person who can affirm this at the age of six, that they will have a life of depression, I maintain it's the other way around. Like I said here, or like Borgman said, some physical sources of depression might include prolonged illness, childbirth, surgery, hormonal changes, changes in diet and fatigue. I. Now, as I get older, I look back and I would initially have said a few years back saying, you know, I don't really recall ever really have been depressed in my life. Not that I don't have a compassion for it. When I look back on some of my early teen years, oh my gosh. Some of the things I was going through when I was hitting 12, 13, 14. Um, yeah, there was, it was quite, I was, a lot of anxiety, and there was a lot of mild depression at that time. I'm seeing myself now, and I'm like, yeah, there was a lot of depression back then, a lot of hormonal changes, a lot of family stress going on at that time. There are also spiritual sources of depression. The most common spiritual source is the guilt caused by sin. Psalm 32, we'll be hitting this often, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So the root cause of this psalmist's depression is unconfessed sin. The results were physical depletion, guilt, and emotional heaviness. Depression can also occur because of the grief of losing loved ones, losing a job, or some major life change. Matter of fact, this book we were talking about transformed into his likeness. If you look up the chart for the prescription for depression, there are actually two categories that Tiffy lists as depressive, and that would be depression caused by external circumstances or loss, depression caused by sin and guilt, stress over children, marriage, finances can also spin us out of control emotionally, landing us in depression. Behind much of this activity is the enemy of our souls, Satan. Satan can use times of depression as an opportunity for an all-out assault on our faith and confidence in God. Depression has some very serious liabilities, folks. Much of the time when depression hits, the depressed people move to self-pity. 
They can become consumed with their pain and darkness. They can become absorbed with themselves. Those suffering from depression can also fall prey to a downward spiral of thinking and acting. Depressed people will typically try to respond to the depression in one way or the other. For some, this means overeating, drug use, alcohol abuse, anger, overwork, or neglecting responsibilities. Depressed people will typically try to respond to the depression in one way or the other. So all such responses speed up the downward spiral because they add to the guilt, deepen the pit, and heighten the sense of hopelessness. One of the saddest liabilities of depression is that it can become a tortuous companion that begins to shape our identity. It kind of looks like this. The thought of living without depression can become difficult, even frightening. It can look something like this. If the depression goes away, then maybe the grief will go away. If the grief goes away, maybe I won't love my child or friend or spouse as much as I do now. Or it can look like this. If the depression goes away, maybe the guilt will go away. But if the guilt goes away, then I won't be sorry for my abortion or my adultery, etc. So now we come to dealing with depression. We've pretty much run through the three steps, right, or the first two. Self-evaluation, really need another person to help with this. And then when it comes to sin-related depression, spiritual depression, there is the confession and repentance aspect of it. And now the put-off, put-on, biblical truth. And he really goes into it. It's a very long chapter, and he really hits this depression very, very strongly. Act one, don't forget the temple. Don't forget your temple. God's word connects the body and the soul. Take care of the body God gave us. Exercise, good diet, and sleep are always are ways that we can take care of the temple. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 6. Even Paul told Timothy, bodily training is of some value, meaning exercise. That's 1 Timothy 4. Now many Christians, certainly some here, dismiss the value of exercise in order to discount the need for it. Paul did not say it was not valuable or not needed. He was just saying in a, it's a small value compared to godliness. A change of diet might also prove helpful. We are body-soul creatures, and how we treat the body can affect the soul. Our fast food culture is turning our bodies into toxic waste dumps making us unhealthy. A healthy diet and exercise can be a means of grace to us physically and emotionally. At this point, my mind goes a million different places, but I was telling Kay what I wanted to do here is uh, share with you a discussion I had briefly with my brother Brad here this week. I saw him Wednesday. I hadn't seen him in a little while, and I said, your face looks so thin, man. You're, are you losing weight? And he says, yeah, I lost 15 pounds. He says, I discovered that running is not doing it. So he's told us about some dietary changes he made. And the thing that got me which should get everybody, is he said, I want to be able to chase after my grandkids. Way to go, brother. There's an energy you get 
I'm in the middle of a workout routine and it's so hard to get started, but after, I know, I've done it so often, you know, after waiting, and I know that starting again gets harder and harder the older you get, but after I just wait the first couple of weeks, just get through the first couple of weeks. And Kay will attest to it. She started working out recently, not too long ago, and she's like, my energy level is up now. I can just tell just troubleshooting whether it's spiritual or physical folks is easy to do start working out and if that doesn't help that must be spiritual for the confessors <laughs> there might be something on the outside though and i understand that job change you got pregnancy you got hormonal changes there is also no shame in seeing a competent medical doctor about our depression red star number two take caution though because practitioners ask a few very few questions and then write a prescription for a psychotropic drug all the more so lately. This book was written 15 years ago or so, 2006. That's 17 years, something like that. Oh my word, we can go off on this one. As a Christian and as I got uh, longer in my life with the Lord, um, I, you know, been in churches and been associated with biblical counseling. And, and uh, many of my former churches have uh, basically had parachurch ministry or part of their main ministry as being biblical counseling, essentially offering and providing training and certifying biblical counseling. NANC, which is now ACBC Association for Certified Biblical Counseling. But I've also been in congregations where many in the congregation were for it or against it. And generally, the people against it essentially brought up the fact that you go to, in fact, this one lady said to me, because her husband and her son were experiencing mental issues, she didn't want to hear about biblical counseling. She said, you know, I've got a doctorate and I've been to school for eight years. And we got somebody here that's been through a few classes. They're a lay person. They haven't got the benefit of college degree. And they're going to tell us that we shouldn't use drugs. We shouldn't use assistance, antidepressants, psychotropic drugs. And I'm supposed to listen to you. I'd rather take it from psychological experts, psychiatrists. In the biblical counseling realm, there is obviously a split between those people that believe that the word of God is plenary, sufficient for all of life's issues. And those that say, well, we need to integrate a little modern science, psychology, psychoanalysis, because, you know, God gave us that too. We're not here to take those discussions apart. Just telling you that, I'm sure Borgman would say that he's asking you to seek out competent medical authorities but especially these days, if you watch the commercials, they're running out of funky names for medications anymore and catchy 70s pop song themes for them. I mean, when one hit wonders start to be the backdrop music for some crucial drug to help you look better in public and the side effects are up to death and you're like, eh. A good doctor can run a blood panel and other tests, checking for certain physical deficiencies known to cause depression. He may also ask the right physiological questions that might lead to some insight and help. 
drives me crazy, but when I set up an appointment to my doctor and I go through the clinic and I've got an app and my app tells me it's time to go and then here's your pre-check-in questionnaire. And some of that stuff is like, none of your business, right? Well, besides the five, five questions that try to pin down what sex, gender, and or unicorn you are. But on top of that, there's a bunch of questions having to do with, you want to sit back and, you know, old timers like me are like to say, you know, you know just, just be a doctor. You're not my financial advisor. You're not my psychiatrist. Quality of life, physical issues, mental health issues, issues in your personal life. Like, I understand this if you're going to some employee intervention that they offer you at your place of business. I think, in a way, they're trying to get to your emotional and mental state so they can be better diagnosed. I'd like to think it was altruistic. You probably just want to know which one of those goofy medications they want to throw at you. So after we deal with the temple, body and soul, let's deal with the soul. Much depression is spiritually related. Some depression is physically related. The following biblical principles are critical for all of us and may prove to be the truths that pull us from the pit of despair. First, we must deal with any known sin. Psalm 32. The whole psalm. How blessed is he whose sin or transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is, a, who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. We need to ask the Lord honestly to search our hearts. There may be certain sins we have failed to deal with, and the Lord is disciplining us until we come to a place of confession and repentance. It may be unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, or secret sins that we have not been willing to repent of. And there may be idols in our hearts that we have not had the courage to identify and smash. All right, and now we take every thought captive. Depression is an emotional state that makes us vulnerable to believing lies. We combat lies with truth. This is not some naive approach that assumes that a verse or two will do the trick. It is the word that can revive and give hope. And now red star number three. And I, had a, I, was, I was taken aback by this line, and I thought about it, and all of a sudden, for me, it became clear. Let me know if it affects you the same way. A depressed person does not need to hear about his or her counselor's depression. He needs to hear the truth. A depressed person does not need to hear about his or her counselor's depression. He needs to hear the truth. 
my take. I was saved. I was going to church. I was there for a few years. I was having a discussion with a fellow deacon at that time, and my background was at that point I was divorced. I wasn't remarried. I was divorced. I had gone through confession and repentance. I was saved through my divorce, but in, in that divorce, in that marriage, regretfully, there was some adultery on my part. But I learned a lot. God was teaching me a lot, and I conducted myself very properly toward every woman that I came across in my life up until the point I met Kay, and that was even better. I remember kind of griping. I'm a little discouraged because I have all this knowledge and experience about what not to do. I have so much experience to give about some young men not being married, about how to be properly married and how to stay faithful and all this stuff. I, I learned the hard way, and I like, like the Lord to show me a way that I can share it with my brothers that are still single. And he looked at me, and he said, why would we need you to tell us how to screw up? We need to find people who have never screwed up and learn against them. Case in point, those of us that have experience definitely and are in the Lord and you can test and approve us are worthwhile as far as coming and getting information from and learning from, yes. But you don't, you don't learn how to identify counter dollar, counterfeit dollar bills by looking at a counterfeit. You, 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 you learn it by looking at the word of God and people who live accurately against the word of God. So you can understand that. I was bringing that up because I'm thinking about, hi, my name is Chris and I'm a serial adulterer or I'm a drug user or I'm a recovering. I'm going to step on any toes, but what you really need is not somebody that successfully crawled out of the pit. Maybe more than likely you need somebody who's never been in the pit to begin with, to start with. Jesus has never been in those pits, but the scripture says he can relate to your temptations and pain. That's what I thought I heard when he said a depressed person does not need to hear about his or her counselor's depression. Yes, I struggle with depression too. Yes, I mean, those people you can't learn off of, so I'm not trying to belittle that. But you need to hear the truth. If there is guilt, you need to hear cross-centered truth and gospel promises. For instance, Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If there is a troubled heart, he needs to hear Christ's call to trust him and his father, John 14, 1. And we need to learn that the rock for the depressed is the word of God, 2 Corinthians 10. And then put off, put on. Change feelings by doing the right thing. You know, when Cain sinned, Cain's countenance fell with anger and jealousy. And what was God's counsel to Cain? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it, Genesis 4-7. In other words, in the words of Spike Lee, do the right thing. All he was telling Cain to do was do the right thing, do good. In other words, Cain was to do something, he was to do the right thing, stop the self-pity and do what you are supposed to do. That might mean clean the kitchen. 
That might mean doing your devotions, even if you don't feel like it. That might mean exercise. It is not merely a matter of doing. It may be a matter of doing for others. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Isaiah 58, 10 through 11. Wholehearted service for others in need has some astonishing results. Or as we like to say, quit staring at your own navel. We need the friend who can sit with us, pray with us, and remind us of what we need to hear. We need one who will speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. So, depression can be a life-controlling, destructive emotional state. But the word of God can be the hammer that shatters the lies of depression. The word can also be the healing balm that salves the depression and the destructive emotional wounds. And there's a strong encouragement and recommendation for a book by Martin Lloyd-Jones called Spiritual Depression. Borgman makes that recommendation. I make that recommendation. I know the pastor would make that recommendation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word has perked us up. Thank you for the light that shines sometimes in some thick darkness. Help us to understand if it's sin or something outside of us which we still take to you in the word. Help us to get up and move. We are saved, dear Lord. We are moving toward heaven. Dear Lord, please give us the joy and the giddiness of knowing that. Thank you for that confirmation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi there, this is Austin Hetzler, the pastor of Christ the Rock Church of Elyria, Ohio. We at Christ the Rock are humbled and grateful to be a part of your sanctification today as you listen to this sermon. But at the same time, we want to encourage you to be a member of a good local church and not to allow online sermons to replace the local church and to benefit from the life of that church and to give your spiritual gifts back to that church. Having said that, our website is www.christrockchurch.com. If you go there, you can find sermons, blogs, and other resources as well as our location and service times. You can also listen to the sermons on Bible Thumping Wingnut, Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Stitcher. I, along with the membership of Christ the Rock Church, pray that this sermon will be a blessing to you.